Hey there, fellow watchers. It's that time of the week again, born to watch. Miami in the 1980s was the Wild West. Hot weather, hot women, hot people, and mountains of cocaine being smuggled in every single day. Budding entrepreneurs tried their hand at becoming a cocaine bigwig, but it wasn't a long-term career move for many. Oliver Stone wrote a script, Brian De Palma directed it, and Al Pacino starred in what could be the quintessential cocaine movie of not only the 80s, but of all time, Scarface. Back from an extended, well-earned break are the other two-thirds of the original crew to tackle a movie whose reputation definitely preceded it, which made it a must-watch for all teenagers in the late 80s and beyond. G-Man, welcome back. Yeah, great to be back. Feels like a while since I've been in the hot seat. Definitely been a while. It's been, been a little bit of time. Pre-Christmas. But uh, yeah, we come come back to a, a big belter of a movie. Well, Two hours 50 of Scarface. It's it's a long way. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a commitment. It's a, it's a good story. Yeah, ready to get back into this one, boys. Let's get into it. And up there on the land, uh, sweating still from an hour of jazzercise, Daniel, how are you, mate? Mate, uh, just wondering how the last month went with your all-filler, no-killer January. <laughs> uh, thanks, Reggae Ellis. Uh, it's uh, surprisingly well. Surprisingly well. We covered a few more modern, a couple modern films. Uh, I, well, it's Rebel Moon, I'll have to take your word for it because I, A, won't be watching it and B, won't be listening to you two gibbering about it. <laughs> Mate, it was actually one of the more fun uh, episodes, just being able to absolutely tear shreds Jeez off a movie, which got me thinking that maybe every once in a while we should just do bad movie review well, and just pick a bad movie to tear an arsehole to. I think uh, so. a friend of the podcast, Nicholas Torpy, has suggested that on many times, that maybe we, yeah. we get up and get up in the grill of a few of these movies a bit more. But no, I only like doing movies I like, so yeah, fuck off. <laughs> We already, already did First Blood, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> oh, still a pinched nerve there from the lover of a Spudweiser, Stone Nixon. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, look, overs and unders, it's it's an old movie. 41 years old this year. Jesus. Wow. Uh, Scarface. I'm going to be relatively, I think, mainstream with this one. I'm going to say 25. Now, we're going to start with Dan. Over and under 25, and what are your first memories of seeing Scarface? You know, it's not, strangely enough, this isn't a movie that was a massive part of my exploring, loving cinema. Like, it's always been there, and I've always enjoyed it when I've seen it, and it's always been hyper-violent, so it was good when we were teenagers, for sure. But I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't froth out mega hard on it like some of the movies we have where we're seeing tens and tens and tens of, uh, of times. So I even to a point where the scene where all the shit hits the fan and the anti-hero Tony Montana decides that he doesn't want to love the kid and the children and the wife, um, I had actually forgotten about that entire scene. I was like, oh, yeah, this is what goes all bad with Sosa. So I'm going to say unders on 25. I'm no fucking demo. Don't get me wrong, but I'm, uh, I'm definitely unders. Okay, nice. Uh, G-Man? I'm well under 25 on this. Uh, it was one of those movies I I guess I'd seen snippets of, you've always heard about, but I hadn't watched, um, not, not when we were teenagers, definitely, I, probably in my 20s when I first saw it. And it's a 
as we said, it's two hours fifty. It's a long investment. So it's, and and because of the type of movie it is, it's pretty hardcore. It's not something you go to unless you're really in the mood to watch it. Yeah. So I'd be between five and and ten times, I think, for this movie in in total like total full watches. Yeah. But certainly, I've seen parts of this as it's been on. I've I've watched it as I've you know halfway through when it's come on. Yeah, absolutely. I I think I'm on the knocker. I think I'd be a, probably around twenty five times I've seen this. I this was one walking the aisles of the video shop that I saw uh, the cover, and it was it was I guess it was as uh, I, I guess a bit of a golden egg in regards, a bit like The Shining, and a bit like some of those movies that you'd seen as you were growing up, and you were like, oh, I, I think I might I'm, I'd like to watch that. I think, and then. It's again. It's it's a big slog. So it's nearly yeah. three hours. It, it's not something. It's it's pretty heavy. Got an interesting thought on it in Good, the Bad, the Ugly, which I'd be interested to hear what you guys think about it. Uh, I'm not sure how whether I. It's one of those movies that I have. I like more the more I see it. Mm. But we'll get to that. Okay, G Man, why don't you tell us a little bit about Scarface, and then we're going to head to the trailer. Okay, here's the original DVD cover. In the spring of 1980, the port at Muriel Harbour was opened and thousands set sail for the USA. They came in search of the American dream. One of them found it on the sun-washed avenues of Miami. Wealth, power and passion beyond his wildest dreams. He was Tony Montana. The world will remember him as Scarface. Okay, so what do you call yourself? Eh? Como se llama? Antonio Montana. And you? What you call yourself? Where'd you learn to speak the English, Tony? Uh, in a school. And my father, he was uh, from the United States. Yeah, just like you, you know. He was a Yankee. Uh, he used to take me a lot to the movies, you know. I learned. I watched the guys like uh, Humphrey Bogart, James Cagney. They, they teach me to talk. I like those guys. I always know one day I'm coming here, United States. 1980, Miami. They called it Little Havana, where the American dream had a price tag, and only one man in a million was hungry enough to pay. This country, you gotta make the money first. Then when you get the money, you get the power. Then when you get the power, then you get the woman. Scarface. For one brief moment, the world was his. A chick is with. She liked me. He must be kidding. What you talking about? That's a Cadillac. How do you know? The eyes, Chico. They never lie. Man, that's the boss's lady, okay? I am the boss. That guy's soft. I like you, Tony. There is no lying in you. Here's to the land of opportunity. We do business together a long time. I know the street, and I'm making all of our connections. Remember I told you when you started, the guys who last in this business, the guys who fly straight with the right woman, there's no stop on me. I could go right to the top. The word on the street, Tony, is you're not a small-time punk anymore. 
Supreme Court says that your privacy can be invaded. You're spending a lot of money on this counter surveillance. We're doing 10 million, 50 million a month. Come on. Now that's serious money. Huh? Your bank boys got to come down a bit. Who else can you trust? That's why you pay us what you do. You trust us. You're in good hands with us. Al Pacino is Scarface. He loved the American dream. With a vengeance. Al Pacino, Scarface. A very, very 80s trailer there. And a long one at that. I tried to find a teaser trailer for a minute, but I uh, only got the long one. Now, Dan, you'd appreciate a long one, wouldn't you? Mate, love a long one, but that was almost <laughs> as long as the movie. That was, if Damo watched that, I'd yeah. count that as a viewing. That was crazy. Very long, very long. Critical thinking. Uh, IMDb uh, got this one rated 8.3 out of 10, and it is number 106 in the top 250. Certified fresh 79% on the tomato meter with a 93% audience score. I can see that. I can see that the the uh, public would like it more than the critics. Yeah, it didn't come out of the gates real well, did it, from a critical point of view? No. I, I think, I think uh, was it Brian De Palma, Oliver Stone said that to, to um, Stephen Bauer, said, get prepared for this because Hollywood's going to hate it. Yeah. You know, and they sort it, of did. Yeah. They it sort of love it though. Yeah. And it, and it was one of the ones that grew grew in time. Yeah. Absolutely. With that mole on your back. <laughs> Moly. <laughs> okay, a couple of reviews. we got a good one. Andy Gill from Empire. Performances are excellent, and despite its moralistic conclusion, the film has since become a de rigueur viewing for crack barons who know a good shoot 'em up when they see one. Yep, sounds good, Gilly. Thanks. What about uh, crack barons? I think more than just crack barons watch this movie. Thanks. Silence. <laughs> uh, bad review. Dwayne Burge from The Hollywood Reporter. Other than an unflinching, intense and extraordinary performance from Al Pacino as the Cuban-born gangster Tony Montana, this gruesome offering has little to recommend. Gee, I don't know about that. It's got a quite... A, I mean, it's a long movie, but it's a good storyline. I mean, it, it sort of rolls through to me. I, I think it... it, it there's a five-hour cut of Scarface somewhere. Yeah, there definitely would be. Because it things happen super quickly. The rise yeah. and fall is very quick. Yeah, it Tony is. Montana. Yeah, he's he's once he gets to the top, he doesn't stay really long, no, does it? No, he burns bright. But but that comes back to his whole personality. They you know, they talk about the start, that brash, confident character. The the one thing I noticed, Dan, I'd be interested to get your thought on this, is that Regardless of how successful Tony became, essentially he was still just the muscle. Like when when the shit got to shit from the big well fellas, it was the him they called on to kill the guy. He he was never really a boss. He was just the muscle. That's a fair point. He was definitely still very much on the tools. I mean, they had him counting counting cash, killing dudes, like all, all stuff you think that you might subby out to subcontractors. 
Tony was still heavily involved in. So, yeah, I, I think he needed definitely to delegate a bit more. I think his management style was a little yeah, micromanager. Yeah, when, he, when he was counting up the 1500 bucks, like, was it 1500 Yeah, it was $1,500, yeah. the difference. And, um, yeah, just to the fact that he's getting down to that going, no, let's recount it all. Well, it was, his, it, was, it was his micromanagement that was his undoing, really. Yep. Like, how much money do you need? Well, he put all those cameras in and didn't look at the cameras. Counter surveillance. <laughs> <laughs> that was dumb. They, were, they were right there. <laughs> yeah, they were right there. It was good viewing if you were watching. Why didn't if if he had all the cameras and he put all that counter surveillance? Why didn't he have any tripwires or any any alarms going off? Yeah, people just jumping just, over the fence. Just audio visual. Oh. That's all he had. Yeah, yeah. A couple of uh, couple of security guards called Guido, whose sole job it was to stare at the cameras all day, might have, yeah. might have gone astray. Well, if that's exactly right. Well, he just he just wanted all the money to himself. Okay, G-Man, ordinary people, take it away. All right, there's a, there's a few sidekicks. Let's go through. I don't think we've done Al Pacino before, have we? I think this is the first Al Pacino this movie. It's the first Al Pacino we've had. Yeah. Look, he started his first feature film. He played a drug addict in the movie called The Panic in Needle Park in 71. Mm. Uh, it wasn't long after that that he was in The Godfather. Francis Ford Coppola really wanted him for that. And that was obviously his breakthrough role. He got Best Supporting Actor nominee for that, even though... They didn't. The, the studio did not want him, but uh, no, Coppola fought for him, and it basically made both of them really that movie. It was a breakthrough for both of them. But then, just looking at his whole his whole movie catalog, Serpico seventy three, obviously, The Godfather Part Two, Dog Day Afternoon, Scarface, Sea of Love, Dick Tracy, Scent of a Woman. He got Best Actor Oscar. Shit movie. Yep, overacted, but he got the Oscar. Carlito's Way. He's in Heat. Donnie Brasco, The Devil's Advocate, Any Given Sunday. He's just had so many movies, and that's not even touching all of them. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in 2019, and most recently he's in The Irishman um, in 2019. Got another Best Supporting Actor nominee for that as well. Oh, we're going to get, and even even more recent than that, we're going to go one degree of Kurt Russell, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes. Yep, you're right. There is another one degree in there. There is another one. We'll yep, save that yep, for later. We'll save that, yeah. yeah. But, okay, uh, uh, just a question. Yeah. Just Sorry, Gail. Go. Sorry, just a question on Al Pacino. Be interesting, Dan, to get your uh, feedback on this one. Is he any good? It's uh, when you think of Scent of a Woman, Heat, those performances where, in doing a, a bit of backgrounding, he was really trying to uh, channel, especially in Heat, a someone who was a very big fan of the cocainum, and that was uh, that was that was the basis of his portrayal for Heat. But yeah, Scent of a Woman. He's very shouty, so much so that he's become a meme with that. And you say it all the time. She's got a great ass, like yeah. for uh, for heat. So yeah, I don't know. He don't, certainly he was absolutely revered as a stage actor before Francis Ford Coppola demanded that he was in The Godfather. So look, I don't think you could say that he is a poor actor, but whether he is uh, one of the all-time greats, I think maybe he's been in some great films. But, yes, there's a lot of dialing it up to 11 that's going on with our well, mate. Yeah, it is. And, like, you know, it's that from when he's in The Godfather, like how reserved that role is to how yeah. different he is in this. And then, yeah. as you said, those 90s movies, I mean, all those, that earlier part of the movies in, like, Serpico and, and Scarface and all of those to the, what, the ones you have in the 90s where he's completely different sort yeah, of actor. I think he's a much better actor in his early... Uh, career than what he is. I think he's he's really dialed it up of like yeah. uh, to, to the point where he is. He's a meme. He's a meme of himself. Anyway, 
I think of uh, Donny Brasco. I think of Carlito's way to a lesser extent. Sea of Love, like they're, they're performances that I really any given enjoy. Sunday. Uh, sea of Love's fairly comical yeah. though. Any given Sunday is it's probably. I was thinking about that today, Gow. That's probably more of a guilty pleasure, I think, than anything for me. <laughs> and I, I watch yeah. it a lot hungover on a Sunday. I reckon I, I can chuck on any given Sunday and enjoy it. So another Oliver Stone bit. Um, obviously, screenwriter for Scarface and, and amazing director in his own right. But yeah, I, it's, it's, the jury's out. But it, you could say that similarly, Bob De Niro has done a shitload of really bad movies with questionable mm. performances throughout his career as well. And and I would inarguably describe him as one of the the, the greatest actors that we've seen yep. in the last fifty years. So I, I don't know whether it's it's sometimes their take on the character which just stinks and, and doesn't gel with us as an audience that skews our vision a little on, on the, on that. And maybe Al Pacino unfortunately suffers from it a bit more than, than Robert De Niro and some of the other great actors like Tom Hanks has become this statesman and, and actor's actor over, over time because he's chosen roles that are very well suited to his range. And so probably doesn't err on the side of, of taking risks and going a bit too over the top in crime capers that, that, uh, that are outside his, uh, his playbook. So yeah, I, I, I don't know. To answer your initial question, he doesn't spring to mind immediately as a flawless actor yeah. by any stretch. Yeah, cool. Well, look, a couple of sliding doors quickly for Al Pacino. He turned down Apocalypse Now, Captain Willard in 79, turned down Born on the 4th of July and Pretty Woman and Crimson Tide. So, okay. So, Born on the 4th of July. Yeah. What? what Kovac? Mm. Tom Tom Cruise's role, yeah. Fuck, he's got twenty years on Cruise, doesn't he? Yeah, he would do. Wow. Uh, yeah, be close. Fifteen. No, yeah, 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 be about right. Yeah, fifteen. And right. what he's got Dick Gears role in Pretty Woman. Yeah, apparently turned that down. <laughs> or maybe he was but, doing. Um, maybe it was Jason Alexander's role as uh, Philip Stuckey. He was. He he was. <laughs> he was Brian Singer's first choice for the role of Special Agent. Dave Kujan in The Usual Suspects, oh. which was the Chaz Palminteri role. Oh, I could yeah. see that. I yeah, he would have been good at that. Yeah. He, he, he regrets Chaz, passing on that role, apparently. Chaz Palminteri is excellent yeah. in that movie. But would he, have, would he have gone over the top in that? Because there's a bit of a few shouty scenes yeah. where Chaz plays it really well as, as, as the one who was mind-fucked by, yes. by um, a verbal kint, whereas you're thinking maybe Pacino would have to go over the top on kint to establish some sort of small man dominance. Definitely. There. Agree with that. But yeah, also turned down the role of Ted Kramer in Kramer versus Kramer, Dustin Hoffman's role, and the role, Richard Dreyfuss's role of Roy Neary in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. So quite a few, quite yeah, a few you movies can't, there. Both those flicks you can't really see. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. All right, moving on, we've got Stephen Bauer. This was his breakout role as well as Manny Ribeira. So <laughs> he, I don't think he even had to audition for this because they were so convinced he was the right role. He had a strong... Um, he's got a Cuban background. He's um, fucking creepy enough. Yeah, and he and yeah. uh, earned him a Golden Globe for best supporting actor in this. And after this, he actually he was actually in Annie Lennox's "Would I Lie to You" film clip. Oh. He was her boyfriend on the bike <laughs> who drops oh, her off. Would I lie? Based on this, but a few other movies. He was in Running Scared in '86 with Gregory Hines, Billy Crystal. He was in Primal Fear in '96. I brought brought that up a few times as one of the the four movies I had at home on VHS. So <laughs> I definitely gave that a lot of viewings yeah. and enjoyed his his. Part. The library's deep. The library is deep. <laughs> um, he was in Traffic in 2000. Uh, he was also in Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. He played Don Eladio. He did. 
He's good in Breaking Balls. Better call Saul, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, good. Very, very good. He's excellent. He's yeah. uh, Donnie. What was amazing. Oh, yeah. You're aware? What, you've seen one of the video yeah. covers? <laughs> I haven't even seen that. <laughs> You've got to watch both of those. He was also in Ray Donovan. He did 60 episodes of Ray Donovan. He's a good-looking man. He was a- Abby. He's a, yeah. he's a good-looking rooster. He's a, he's a good-looking yeah. rooster. But, uh, look, obviously, I think he's really suited this role. You know who was in line for this role? Which you can really see is John Travolta. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah, he could have Definitely. That yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, she had some early TV roles in Chips and Fantasy Island before being in the... Breakout movie of Grease 2 in 1982. Wow. With Adrian Zmed. We talked yeah. about that as well, and there's definitely a school of love for Grease 2 as a standalone movie, which I do not get. No, it's fucking pathetic. Certainly... Yeah. Is the, is the perp? Yeah, the perps, the perps are huge Grease 2 Really? Yeah, she loves yeah. it. Yeah, come on, she loves Grease 2. She likes the cool rider. She loves the cool rider. She loves, uh, you know, reproduction, <laughs> reproduction. <laughs> Uh, but look she's had a great back catalogue too obviously Scarface was one of her early roles Lady Hawk The Witches of Eastwick Married to the Mob Tequila Sunrise there is uh, One Degree of Kurt Russell there it is there it is Uh, Dangerous Liaison Batman Returns obviously 92 was Catwoman Yeah. Uh, What Lies Beneath I Am Sam Uh, she's a great actress and she's probably top 10 all time most beautiful actresses yeah She's she's yeah. stunning. She had a real thing in the nineties. Like she was the most beautiful woman on the planet in the nineties. God. Yeah, she did it. She had a lot of, of top roles back then. And she's also in the MCU. Yep. You know? Oh, yeah, really? Plays Michael Douglas's wife in the MCU. Yep. Oh, he's in the MCU. Yeah, he's in the MCU. Yeah, Michael Douglas is, yeah. He's trying to uh find a cure for uh lingus cancer. <laughs> oh. Alright, a couple of sliding doors for her She was original choice for Clarice Starling In The Silence of the Lambs Yeah, I can see that But uh, that was, I think, when she was at her peak So she yeah. was asking for a little too much freight So they, yeah. they punted but her for Jodie that, Foster Jodie Foster, you know, one and done There's only one Clarice Starling Yeah, that's right Sorry, Julianne She nailed Moore. it, yeah Sorry, Julianne uh, She turned down the Ashley Judd role in Double Jeopardy And the Sharon Stone role in Basic Instinct Ooh, I would have loved to see her leg cross. Yeah. <laughs> she she would have been too powerful to get a flange out, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. I think Sharon that was Sharon Stone's make or break old basic instinct. That was the one that she she really had to get the flange out, Sharon. Yeah. <laughs> Michelle wouldn't have had to. She well, no, gone, she was at the height of her powers then. She was she she was a, a bona fide superstar yeah, yeah. then. Michelle, Michelle Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer wouldn't need to. Uh, Sharon, uh, whatever her name is, Sharon Stone. She needed to get the flange out. It took her to the stratosphere, though. Yeah, well, it's a memorable, obviously. Yeah. Memorable, memorable scene. She came a Majora star after that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here all week. I'm here all week. I'm like, I'm like the fat guy with the mask on in Scarface at the, at the Babylon. <laughs> Valentino. <laughs> <Did his name>? <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio's in this too as Tony's mm. sister. Uh, Gina. Gina, yeah. She's been in The Colour of Money, The Abyss, Perfect Storm, most like recently her. Limitless. Yeah. I like her. I like she's her a good lot. actress. Yeah. She's in Robin Hood. Right. Excellent. Yeah, I, think, I think she's actually quite good in this movie too. Uh, 
she's the object of some uh, very odd sibling affection, uh, which I'm sure we'll get mm. to as we move through the uh, through the categories. But I think she's really, really good. She's a highlight in this movie, to be honest. Yeah. She's very good. Very good. And also in Colour of Money, I think she's excellent. excellent. And also in The Abyss. The, mm. uh, the, the Abyss is an underrated movie. I don't mind The Abyss. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's an underrated James Cameron uh, flick and uh, well worth mm. a watch. Another, another Michael Bean. Yes. Piece. Yeah. He's very good in it, actually. Mm. Um, yeah, and the other one I've got here is Robert Logia. Yes, um, Logia. He's good. Yeah, he's, he's good. good. He's good in this. I mean, he's been in heaps of heaps of good movies. He's in Pritzy's Honor, Over the Top. He's in Over the Top. Yeah, he plays 85. the dickhead uh, yeah. dad. I mean, yeah, that was his grandpa. That was his um, he was in Big. Winner takes it. No, no, he was in Independence Day. But a couple other quick ones. There was an early role here for Mark Margolis. We talked about Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad, but uh, Alberto the Shadow. That was oh, yes. that was he yes. played he was Hector Salamanca in in yes. Medical Soul and Breaking Bad. He he had as much dialogue as Hector Salamanca. <laughs> he as well, did too. He? Yeah, he did Hector, Hector hardly role, spoke, didn't he? he yeah. Did well. yeah. Oh shut up! <laughs> ding 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 ding. <laughs> um, and also, the stage comedian in the yes in there was yeah, Richard yeah. Belzer. That's right. That's right. From uh, from Law and Order SVU. So an early role but for him as well. Yeah. We're also forgetting one one we've got a category named after him, the the lookalike F. Murray Abraham Mall <laughs> well, yes. Award for F. Murray Abraham. <laughs> he yeah uh, he had a bit of a moment around that time. He was coming off Armadeus. I'm oh, sorry about to go into Armadeus. Yeah. He was actually featuring in a lot of big films around that time with Murray Abraham. And he certainly wasn't doing it as a, a someone who blessed with a leading man's head. No. There's uh, definitely a lot going on. Wow. He's, I don't know where to start with F. Murray. I don't know where to start. Jeffrey Rush, F. Murray, same school of rough scone yet uh, amazing actor. Yeah, Harry Dean. Harry Dean Stanton. A lot of people. A lot of people. Dan Morgan. The old Morgs likes. I'm, th- I'm, I'm three from three for those guys. So. <laughs> Jeffrey Rush. That's a new string to your uh, bow. Shine Morgs. When he's shine. got his, what's the, no, 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 no. When he plays a bit of a, a yuppie with the, with the ponytail. What movie is that? It's a definite mix. Oh, uh, not, not in Candy. What about him when no, he's in Candy when no. he plays the, uh, the old digger, the, 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 the heroine. Yeah, he's the professor that yeah. likes to flick the, uh, flick the hammer. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, anyway, three three Morgs I likes there. Marquis de Sade, he plays the Marquis de Sade in Quills. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'll see if I can yeah, unearth that, but yes. <laughs> Ugly man. <laughs> Not attractive. Did win, did win an Academy Award, though. Is that it, G? That's it. Okay, 1983, Hit, Sleeper, and Dud. And I believe, Daniel, you have the hit for this year. Take it away. I do. And look, I'm going back to the well a bit, but only because I, I took the time out to watch it during the break and thoroughly enjoyed it. But An Officer and a Gentleman. Yes, very Richard good. Gere, Great movie. The, the chick out of uh, Back to the not Back to the Future, Beverly Hills Cop, who uh, is excellent. Uh, uh, Lisa Eilbacker. Lisa Eilbacker it is. Yes. Brilliant. Um, what a great movie. Uh, Deborah Winger. Just uh, something, and, and my wife hadn't seen it, so she actually enjoyed it and, and sat down. Did she and enjoy it? it. Did yeah, she enjoy I it? Did enjoyed it very much. So yeah, yeah I. It's uh, good to know. And, and she's not she's not one for old movies by any stretch. Yeah, 
but she thoroughly enjoyed it and uh, born to watch fellow f I would suggest go out and check it out again as it's uh, it's just a good flick. Yeah, that's a good call, Morgs. I reckon it gets a bit of bad raps, but it's uh, it's more than no, just a romance no. film, right? It's, it's oh, it is. It's pretty it good. Is. No, it's, it's pretty good. It is. I really enjoy it. it. It's a great movie. Yeah, fantastic. No. Great song. Up there, with, yeah. we, up there where we belong is one of the best movie theme songs of all yeah. time. Well acted. Great script. Yeah. Good characters. Yeah. Fantastic. G Man, what do you have for Sleeper? Well. I struggle with this one because it's hard for it to really be a sleeper when it's... <laughs> okay, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Can I take a punt here? It's, it's it Porky's 2. It's not Porky's <laughs> 2. It's not Porky's 2. I wanted it to be Porky's 2, but I didn't go with it. Is it Flashdance? No. Okay. This movie was the songbird of its generation, um, <laughs> and it is uh, the top movie for me of 1983, Revenge of the Ninja. Oh, well, now, there we go. <laughs> it's the, of course. It's the greatest ninja movie of all time. It's a tough year this year because Lone Wolf McQuaid's in there as well. Yeah, Lone Wolf not up there with this. Yeah. You know, there's there's a few other movies that are out there, but this was this was the best ninja movie. Shokasugi, superstar. <laughs> After ninjas killed his family, Cho and his son Kane coming to America to start a new life. He opens a doll shop, but is unwittingly important heroin in the dolls. When his friend betrays him, Cho must prepare for the ultimate battle. Now, I've told you this before, but this is the one where he's got the ninja star on his belt buckle and he just throws it off and just sticks it into the guy's hand. The guy's stuck to the pole with the ninja star on there and then he throws another one into the guy's head and then the guy's screaming and he throws one into his throat and shuts him up. It is the greatest. Do, okay, so I, I'm going to throw something out here between us. There's a lot of these movies which probably aren't worth a full episode, right? But there's probably three or four which we could do an episode of mini reviews for three or four of these movies, I reckon. Yeah. I think that'd be a lot of fun. This is this is not a mini, this. This is a full episode. You think that's a full episode? You think yeah, this Revenge is of the Ninja's full episode? Full episode. Full episode. Okay, well, okay, G. Well, you, not for you guys, though. Maybe, maybe we'd have to do a mini. <clears throat> no, mate, I'll do a full episode. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I can talk shit. Mate. Okay, uh, 983, dud. Now, we spoke about this maybe late last year. The unofficial James Bond never say never again. Oh, never, never. Sean Connery comes back uh, for his last turn as a a terrible song. A terrible song. The highlight is the highlight is that star Kim Basinger is uh, is the Bond girl. She is oh that's right stunning. Very close to nine and a half weeks. Uh, Very good. But a Spectre agent has stolen two American nuclear warheads and James Bond must find their targets before they are detonated. Now, if it sounds like about nine other James Bonds, it's because it is. <laughs> and this was all to do with the rights uh, uh, battle between the Broccolis and whoever the studio was and this is what happened. And it, it's, it's not a very good Bond. It's okay, it's watchable, but it's just not a very good Bond. I've been revisiting some of the old Bonds. I, I watched, uh, watched Moonraker, watched uh, Octopussy, about two weeks ago, they were a lot of fun. Very the Roger Moore is very camp. His his bonds Roger are very camp. Moore. Yes, Roger Moore. but that's <laughs> that is a my dud. Uh, question time. Hang on, before we move on, before we move on, Jeffrey Rush, Ponytail, Intolerable Cruelty, oh. George Clooney, Catherine Zeta Jones. Catherine Zeta Jones, right? Yes, yeah. There he's go. got a manky, manky ponytail and he's a morgs alike. <laughs> yeah. Does he wear it in a bun to surf, do you think? 
He, I would be, he would have to. So uh, I'm going to say yes. Yeah. Okay. Very nice. Uh, question time. Uh, so Gina, knowing her brother, is she really going to cut loose in Club Babylon? Because that I reckon that's, well, that's sort of the beginning of the end for Tony. She's done. She's done the Kirtley Bill and that chick at the Sheaf, and just gone into the male shitters <laughs> for. Uh, and you know what happened after that is uh, is before the courts at the moment, so we can't comment on it. But yeah, I, I don't know. It was pretty ballsy of her knowing who her brother was, and and I you've got to guess suspecting that maybe he was a bit too into her in a non non uh, familial way. Ooh. Yeah, it's it's a very odd relationship. Yeah, well, I think this is trying to this is obviously portraying that and showing that that he just can't handle anybody else mm. being around her, even though he hasn't seen her for years. Yeah, yeah, up to I that get point. that she's little sister, and she's God, fuck, she looks twenty years younger than him. Yes, she <laughs> does. Yeah, you know, and uh, it's very unhealthy, I think. But I'm, I've got a bit to say about that a bit later on. And I mentioned this earlier: the rise and fall of Tony Montana happens far too fast. I think. There's no. There needed at least another push to the limit montage, which showed the, the downfall. He just sort of gets to the top, and then it's just a steep fall off the cliff. Yeah, the next thing he's smashing his face into pounds of cocaine, and Mate, then he's then he's that? gone. Yeah, fuck a duck. Yeah, it is. It is a very. It is. He gets to the top, and then he's he's not there for very long, is he? But that's that's his own. It's his own doing, you know, but showing his own his own flaws in his. What What do you reckon the time frame is of this movie? What is it... I was actually thinking about this last night. Is it is a is it a year? Is it five years? I don't know. I, I I'd say a year. Yeah, I, I didn't get a sense of five years. Yeah, I and that's what I, th- I think it's a year. I think it's twelve Gina, months. Gina doesn't change much at all. No. She's nineteen, and Michelle uh, Pfeiffer gets a bit skinnier, but it's it's you don't notice it a lot. Um, you have to leer pretty hard. Well, she, that, that's the thing. She or they they come into it, and you know they they start working for Frank Lopez. Is it Frank Lopez or Frank, whatever his yeah. name is, yeah, Robert Lodger? Yeah. And then it, you know when they go to the beach, it's three months later. So that time on, I think, is about yeah. right. It's yeah. not it's not over years. Yeah, it's tw- I think it could be. 12 no, months. I reckon twelve months. I reckon it's 12 a fairly months, yeah. quick timeline. Okay, did Manny and Gina really think Tony does surprises well? <laughs> did they think that Sorry. was going to go any other way? You've, you've, you've stepped all over my bad slash ugly uh, because, no, that was one of the worst ideas uh, of the history of ideas. It, what on earth made them think that that was going to go down well? Oh, by the way, you know how you told Manny not to go near me? Well, surprise, we got yeah. married and he's rooting me. No, yeah. that is, she's walked out and she's got a creaming, uh, a dripping cream pie from just being upstairs. Like, it's, sorry, it's not going to be good. Well, I think, you know, the first moment that Manny laid eyes on her, he screamed at him, stay away from her. So yes. He kind of knew from that point that, yeah. She's beautiful, man. <laughs> she beautiful, man. Mm. Poor old Manny. Couldn't, he couldn't help himself. Man's lost it. Man's <laughs> lost it. Oh. Poor old Manny's supposed wow. to be looking out for Tony when they go to the first drug deal, and then he's down there with the, Manny with is, the blonde in the yeah. blue swimsuit. Manny is the worst wingman of all time. <laughs> He, he was all, he was all over the place, wasn't he? Yeah, he loved it. Has there ever been a bigger pile of cocaine in the history of cinema? No, that was pretty massive. That, that was on his desk. What about 
What about when he comes back? Is it after he comes back from uh, the hit, the failed hit, and he gets his box out and he just shares it, and, then, and with his hand just yeah, makes just this <laughs> big thick line, which he snorts. <laughs> that was he, he does. Yeah, I, I thought he does a, a very good, uh, a, a, a very good facsimile of someone that's just way too walked off their face at the end and he's sweating and his eyeballs are running around his head and his pupils are massive. And yeah, I, I mean, you couldn't take that much rack and, and not have your heart stop, but he definitely has a, a good crack at, uh, at what it would look well, like. I was, yeah, I, he's I was, going down swinging, isn't he? Well, I was thinking like he's with that, with that pile of cocaine on his desk, he's dead. Yeah. He doesn't survive yeah. that pile of cocaine. Like he's, he gets no, no 4% through it and he's gone. Mate, he's, he's, yeah. he's keen to count up the fifteen hundred. What a way to go, eh? He's keen to count up the fifteen hundred bucks to make sure it's there, but then he's got that pile sitting <laughs> on his desk. <laughs> the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, G-Man, we'll start with you. What do you got for good? Um, really, I liked I liked the scene. I loved F. Murray Abraham out of the chopper. Oh, Always yeah. really liked Helicopter that hanging. scene. Yeah, when he gets gets thrown out. I, I did think that um, you know, that uh, Sosa says, Sammy Sosa says to him, come, and, come over here and let's chat. And the next thing you know, like it's pretty quick between the time they beat him up, get him up in the chopper and throw him Fuck out. Fuck yeah, yeah. It's only like a matter of a minute. There's no mucking around. And when they show him up there, he's beaten up already. Like it's... Yeah. Um, they flogged him. They flogged him. I like that scene. I I did like also. I liked the the Tony Montana scene when they come in and kill Frank Lopez. Love that. Um, and and that whole scene goes through. But then at the end they go yes they walk out there. What about Ernie? And Ernie's just sweating yeah. bullets. <laughs> you want a job, Ernie? You want a job, Ernie? Sure, Tony. That I love. I've got, I've got that in good too. I just love the whole the whole lead up, and I love the he's. The phone call the, and the and the, them not answering and it's just so fucking good. Yeah, that's really really well done. Yeah, look, I liked I liked that. You know, the, the Tony's such a flawed personality. Like he, he's going to let him go because he knows that he's not a threat to him. You know, he's he's a bad guy. He's going to kill people. He's going to he's going to fight for everything he wants. But then he won't kill. He won't blow up the kids. Yeah. You know, he wants his mum to have the money. He wants his sister to have the it's money. It's an interesting it in set of morals, isn't it? Yeah. So he's he's this totally. You know, he's this bad gangster, but he's. But he also doesn't want that life for his sister, and yeah. it's it's really interesting that that sort of you know duality of, of who he is. So it's sort of um yeah that that flawed. It's a real classic Eddie hero, isn't it? Yeah, that's it's, right. Because we are there are times in the movie when you're rooting for Tony, like you want yeah. him to come out on top, and he's a dude that kills people and he's horrible to pretty much everyone he encounters. Uh, but still, when and they do a really good job of showing what his morals are when he when he refuses to kill the dude outside the United Nations building. Yep. And yeah, I, I, I agree, Gary. I think that's uh, that's really interesting. How, as an audience, we are still behind him, even though he's a complete creep. Yeah. And then he just backs him. Like he's like, right, that's it. Well, we'll go to war. You know, he's he's just yes. got that total. And I think that comes you know, in the first scene in the movie too, where they that they set that tone with him. Like he's this uber brash, arrogant guy who's being interviewed, you know, by the American feds, and he's just like, yep, yeah, he's he's already they already set the tone that that's that's what he's like. How good are, are the questions from the feds? You get that scar? How'd you get that scar? Eating pussy? Yeah, of course. Of course I did. 
trying to do the tough guy thing, yeah. and he's just not having yeah. it. That's brilliant. Right. But that, to me, that sets his tone for who he is and, and who he wants to be, right? And that comes out through the movie. Yeah, good one. Got anything else? No, that's it. Okay, Daniel, what do you got for good? Uh, I just had the pairing of the director, Brian De Palma, and the screenwriter, Oliver Stone. So two amazing filmmakers in their own right coming together on this one. Now, this was a remake of sorts. Uh, it was based on a 1932 movie of the same name, but obviously uh, a, a completely over uh, given an overhaul so that it was to be set in the 80s and, and very much of its time. But brought together to who would become or were already on the way of uh, incredible 20th century, 21st century filmmakers. So much so that this week in film school for Fwit's return, I wanted to have a little bit of a death match. Uh, Oliver Stone versus Brian De Palma with with three each of their films, and we're gonna, we'll see who comes out on top for director supremacy. But yeah, ma- amazing pairing of this and Oliver Stone apparently was uh, able to base a lot of the uh, the cocainum scenes on his own crippling addiction at yes, the time. Yeah. He was very much into the nose beers, and this is the this is the movie that apparently broke him off that. So that uh, that was also interesting. Yeah, cool. Uh, I've got uh, the start. I think interwoven with the real footage. I think that's yep. pretty cool. And then uh, when they go to Freedom Town, what a toilet that is! Like yeah. it, it, it sets yeah. the mood for you. Know why you sort of get an understanding as to why he's going to break out because he's just you know he's yeah. a political prisoner. Oh, how desperate they are! How willing they are to 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 stab someone Oof. to get out. My God, I'll do anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the whole scene where they're playing basketball. I mean, that's how <laughs> Morgs used to run with the jeans and the the bandana around the head. Uh, Is that who you modelled it off, Morgs? Ah, uh, no, uh, Mikhail Penfors, the tennis player, <laughs> used to run a yellow cap backwards, yep. and I did have a, a, I did go through a stage where I ran the pen fours when I was either on the tennis court or on the basketball court, moving a little. But no, I don't think I've actually run a headband. But I, who's to say I won't in the future? <laughs> I think there's every chance you will. Every chance. Uh, uh, the soundtrack. I love the soundtrack. It's so just perfectly eighties. The synth. So Damo's not here to crap on about motifs and how the freak listens to soundtracks when he's driving around in his car. Yes. I mean, we probably need to unpack that a little bit, Damo, at some stage. But Giorgio Moroda, what an amazing, uh, yeah. amazing score. Yeah, it's very, very good. So, pulsing and, uh, and, and instantly recognisable as Scarface as well. So I think definitely Damo would have an, a lot to chew over if we invited him into a cool movie, not just a dorky MCU one. <laughs> Uh, the chainsaw scene, I think, is amazing, yeah. and it's it is the the oh, scene man. the scene that sets the movie apart from everything else is just, is the chainsaw scene. Uh, you don't see much, which I think is so well done. You, you actually don't see the the chainsaw cutting anything. You just see obviously see the blood, and just, it's all Tony's face, like it's a reaction, his reaction to what's going on, which is really the With a little blood splatter. Yeah, yeah, the litmus test as to what is actually happening. He is like legitimately panicking well uh, this is the world he's in and that, yeah. that shows it right, right he's become a drug dealer and this is the the really bad world that it, he's that he's in it's blood it's it's cutthroat it's 20 minutes into the movie 22 yeah. minutes the chainsaw scene so you he effectively gets out and the first thing that uh, omar gets him to do is he's obviously sold him a dud and he knows he's gonna he's hoping he's gonna die and uh, and when he brings and I love that he, he brings the the uh, the yayo and the money back and goes my gift to you the money 
And yep. he's just it's just a boss <laughs> move, right? Yeah. Just a boss move. Yeah. Uh good call. The open shirts. Get the fuck out of here. How good are they? Like, take three yeah. or four buttons down and away you go. The the suits, the shirts, so cool. Miami in the eighties. <laughs> it's good in hindsight. It's good to look at it in hindsight. Uh, I, I'm not sure it would have been the place to be. Uh, I think, but in looking back on it, fuck, it looked like a good time. Yeah. Who's getting around an $800 suit in Miami, though? <sighs> wow. I know that's what they like to wear. Jeez, it's going to be hot. Yeah. Yeah, there'd be some cag sweat. Don't worry about oh. that. I thought Al Pacino... He, I'm going to put Al Pacino as in good as in, and in also in bad in this movie. I think the movie hinges so much on him. Of course it does, and yeah. his character, I think what he brings is incredible. But I also think he could easily slip into the bad. I think he's, <laughs> some of his accent has a bit to be desired. And there's, you know, but overall, I think he's pretty good. You talked about Frank and Bernstein's death. That's amazing. And get the fuck out of here. Push it to the limit montage isn't the best part of the movie. Like, I cannot agree more. That was just it. It would not be out of place in a Rocky. And, film. and that's what I was it thinking. Was that, yeah. So they've they've watched Rocky one, Rocky two. There's a big chance Rocky yeah. three. Well, Rocky three comes out in '83 as well. So it's like, well, it is. It would not have been out of place in any Rocky film. It is so good, nah, and brilliant. all it is is just his rise to power. You know, and it's just and, and to the limit, limit, mate. It is a great song. <laughs> It's a great song. Uh, culminate, culminates with the wedding and the chained up tiger, which just to prove about oh, how big best. a fuckwit he has become. Uh, awesome. Uh, anyway, uh, what about bad? Dan, what do you got for bad? Uh, it's on theme. I think that's some of Tony's and Manny's taste. So the leopard skin trim in the yellow oh, cap. Yeah, I can understand why Michelle Pfeiffer was not too keen on going into that vehicle, although he pulled the boss move to go and get the Porsche, but then actually put it back in the Cadillac. So I'm not sure what that flex was all about, but yeah, that was particularly awful. I think a whole different color and better trim and it might've been a boss vehicle. Yeah, fair enough. Good call. Uh, G-Man? Tony and Elvira's dancing. (laughs) It is next level bad. God. Next level bad on that. She's just got the answer. She, she's actually got her back to him with her arms up. He just does this two arms in the it's, air move it, the whole time, like arms up and down. While it's he's bad. It's, it's, it's really so bad. bad. Like you look at Pulp Fiction and you see you see her dancing, wow. and then you see that. Yeah, that to me was um. The other thing I had was you talked about that the hotel scene at the start, which I thought was really really good too. I really love that whole scene. It sets yeah. the sets the tone, and the chainsaw thing is brutal. How does Tony get free? Does the does the okay, thing rip so down when he's when he's because they tie him up and he rips about, he does rip the thing he rips down. it down does he well it's he's it's not a it's he's not actually handcuffed he's just chained so they rip the chain oh it's just a chain so okay. he's not actually handcuffed and so he rips the thing down and steals the guy's gun he I don't know how he gets out of that yeah Manny the wingman is no good he's fucking hopeless no, Manny was it. scoring downstairs yeah. it's interesting do you read about that the girl in that scene. No. I've got to listen to this. It's okay. pretty fucking interesting. Uh, are you done, G? Yes. I've got Manny is so fucking creepy. Uh, him, oh, he, 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 me too, he's not surviving me too. So him creeping out the front of the hotel, him sticking the tongue out to the girl. The lingus tongue. The lingus <laughs> tongue. <laughs> like, and I love, I love that when Tony goes, come on, watch this. Yeah, to <laughs> the kid, that's great. This guy's about to get slapped. And the next thing he just gets slapped. 
the uh, again, we'll get the the chainsaw scene. God, those walls must have been soundproof. Yeah, those walls must have been seriously soundproof. You know, oh, she turned the de- she turned the telly up. So yeah, <laughs> she it, turned it, the telly up to forty decibels, and the hundred decibel chainsaw didn't uh, didn't overpower. No. It. Exactly right. <laughs> it it reminded me of like you've all seen we've all seen Boys Swallows Universe. Yep. Right. The in the first episode when uh, the stepdad's being hauled away by the baddies and the neighbours just watching it happen. Oh, don't you call the cops? He's just watching it happen. Yeah. No, they all just watched. Yeah, they just going. watched. Yeah, anyway, uh, the Babylon Club. Now we've all been in some toilet nightclubs, but I reckon that would have been hard. Like, yeah. that that looked good, but, geez, it was a toilet. Yeah, not a great place. No. Nah. Was that the place where, where Frank Lopez went every night? Yes. That was the one? Yeah, the Babylon. That's the where Babylon. the assassination... It, yeah. wasn't, it wasn't quite cartoons in DY <laughs> circa 93. Do you know what got me thinking? Is that how many nightclubs were we in where there was massive drug deals being done in a corner? Like... I'm just yeah, it's, it's, yeah, we're probably like in a age, different. You never know. You never know. You've got to assume know. there's probably a lot. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, probably right. Uh, okay, so the nightclub comics. One, he is not funny. Shotgun face, right? He's not funny. And then they're all laughing and clapping to the mime with the fucking mask on and the fat guts. It's not funny either. No, at all. Not, not in the slightest. Not funny at <laughs> all. And I'm glad he got shot. He got taken down. I'm glad he got shot. He deserved it. And that leads me into world's worst assassination attempt. They've got, what, they shoot about 12,000 bullets and they hit everyone except for Tony. And he's about and he's 10 metres away. away. Yeah, yeah, 10 metres at worst. Yeah. Like, he's not far away. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know what they were waiting for because he, he nudges his mate and goes, here comes the light. Like, I was like... He's right there. They could have just walked just up and him. shot him. Yeah, He had nowhere to go. He was in the booth off his head. Oh, wasn't he? God. He's just sitting duck. Yeah. Uh, all right. Ugly. Uh, G-Man. Oh, I just had for mine in the ugly, um, I didn't just didn't really get the chemistry between Tony and Elvira at all. There's, no, there's like, no chemistry. It's just none, right? Like, And it's just like, I want you. You're the boss's wife. Well, she was just a coke whore. Yeah. She was just going wherever the coke was, wherever the money was. Yep. That's the dick I'm sucking. But it, but it kind of went from... No, I think, no, it, it prophesizes that once you get the money, you get the power. And once you get the power, you get the women. Yes. And I think that's that's the arc of it. So he, he becomes El Jefe and then she uh, she falls uh, under his spell and that's yep. the only reason. So Well, that's the, that's, you're right. Uh, that's, that, that would be my... Yeah, that's probably right. And that that's the thing. But between them, you know, they go from they go from her not liking him to her sort of warming up to him when he, when he puts on the hat to... Her husband getting killed, and then them getting together and getting married, and then next thing they hate each other. Uh, quickly, it's very quickly, quickly, yeah. They go from in, in push to the limit. It pushes the limit. They get married. They get push the tiger, the and then at the end of pushes to the limit, she's sitting at the vanity snorting coke. Yeah, and that's it. And she's miserable. <laughs> and he's, like, he's in the world's biggest spa in one montage with his mate just sitting beside him. Mate, <laughs> not fruit. even sitting in there. Yeah, I know, just sitting beside him. A pelican, flyway pelican, pelican, pelican. Daniel, what do you got for ugly? Uh, yeah, I, I think just more of the same of uh, not understanding any appeal between Michelle Pfeiffer and Al Pacino, but when they're sitting in the front of the Cadillac and they're just talking and then he just lurches at her yes. and tries yeah. to stick his tongue down her throat. 
and uh, and then she just cops it. And she's and then thirty seconds later, they're laughing as if nothing happened. So, God, uh, miss the eighties, huh? Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, I got a couple. I, I got that. I've also got the uh, sibling affection, which I think is odd. Uh, it probably didn't need to go to the extent that it did. And then, here's my take. I'm not sure this is a very good movie, right? But but I actually really love it. But I watch it and I go, it's the the narrative is so weird. It just it's it's like a film clip. It's like it's just there's no real structure. You don't get to I don't know. There's not a lot of payoff. Yeah, in this movie, I, I just until the very end. But you, I don't know. It's it's is it like weird. they try to go too big. I don't know. It's just it, I, I I can't put my finger on it. But I, I sort of I watched it because I watched it over the weekend again, and I'm like, oh, I just yeah, I, I enjoy it. I, and because and, there, there is a lot of love and hate for it. There's a lot of love. People going, oh, what a yeah. great movie in retrospect. And there's also a lot of people that that have said I, I don't like it. Yeah, it's, I just but I, yeah, I, I don't know where I see so it. Do you, do you think that they don't land it in the final third? It's, it's I, too rushed. I think it's way is too that, rushed. That? I think that's it. I oh, think yeah. that I feel there's no payoff. Like yeah. first blood wanna, syndrome. The, the editor's sitting there and he's going, mate, I'm already at two hours 45 and I'm not even close to finishing this fucker. This I've is got, let's just go to shoot out. And this, and this yeah, is sort of like, exactly off. right. And, and it's not only that, it's like, well, Steven Spielberg, you come and say good day. Why don't you just, why don't you direct this part of the shootout? So Brian yeah. DeParma <laughs> even quit on it, right? So it was, for me, I just find that there's 50% of movies the rise. The next 30% of the movie is the sort of, I'm at the top with a slight decline and then it's just off a cliff. Yep. And, mm. you know, I, I think that even if there was another montage which showed some shit going wrong or, like, we don't, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. But anyway, I, I still enjoy watching I don't, it. I don't think it's a long three hours, though. I don't. No, I, don't I agree with that. And, and this, I, was, I will, yeah, yeah, I will it say. It flows nicely, in yeah, I, I watched it last night and, and it didn't, like, it, it flowed all right. I yeah. didn't, I didn't sit, sit there thinking, God, this is taking forever. Three which makes me life. think is that I could do a four-hour I could do a four-hour Scarface, if, and it might be there was, you might get more to it, right? Yeah. There, there was a lot of early bone. setup in the movie, and not a lot of towards the end, right? Yeah. Like it's a lot of early setup, and then bang, as you said, it goes really quick. Like they spend all that time in the interrogation at the start, but then they don't show the downfall of him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, I think it just could they could have got to the they could have cut some of that bit and maybe given us a bit more of what actually happened for him to lose it. You know, why did him and Elvira fall out? Because she, she just hates him. Like, there's, there's, it's not like he's done anything. She just says you swear too much. Like I think, as Mork said, that's the whole thing is he just wanted... That's that's She's the pinnacle because she's the the, the kingpin's wife. And yeah. he's like, you get the money, you get the power, you get the women, and that's what he wanted. Yeah. That was his sign of success. Yeah. Because really the downfall is the dinner at the restaurant. Yeah. That's really his... That's yeah. where it's like, well, shit, he's gone. Yeah. Right. Poor, okay. old, poor old man, he just had to cop a few... Oh, Manny, Manny awkward, was patient. Awkward Manny was patient. scenes, didn't he? Manny was patient. It was like going out with Morgs in the 90s on the piss, you know? You were like, fuck, I'm going to have to carry this wanker home again. We're not getting in a cab. Is he going to shit his pants tonight? What's going on? All right, the 90s, the noughties, the tensies, <laughs> the 20s. Yeah, nothing changes. Dan's quickfire. 
Yes, gentlemen, welcome back. 2024, Quickfire is with us. Let's rip straight into it. So as far as ripping straight into it, I've got to find where I've written it down. And as I found it, so here we go. First up, it's look alike. Now, reminder, this does not have to be a morgues alike. It can be just a famous person that looks like another famous person. However, the obvious low-hanging fruit is F. Murray Abraham is the dead set ringer for yours truly. So we'll get that out of the way. Any others that uh, that struck you lookalikes in this one? Yeah, I reckon you got to be with Richard Belzer in your mind. Oh, absolutely. That's what I was going with. You got, got to be is the, he the, a bit of the Bells. Is he the the, um, the Law and Order guy? Yeah, 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 yeah. Bom bom. Yeah, I can see that. A bit pasty. <laughs> I like it. Uh, uh. All right, wax on, wax off. Hang on a minute. I love, I is. love now that this has just become more. This just become morgues alike, right? <laughs> But there is... Oh, Damo, I, I blame you. Yeah, I blame Damo, absolutely. All right, go for it. Uh, wax on, wax off for a scene that is passed into popular culture. Definitely a couple here. G-Man, what would you think? Say hello to my little friend. Absolutely. Um, first you get the money, then you get the power. Cockroaches. Yeah. Cockroach. Mang. Fuck you, Mang. Fuck you, Mang. Chainsaw bathtub. Yeah, yeah definitely definitely yeah. that is that is passed. I mean, that's one of the most... That Say hello to my little friend is one of the most... Oft quoted and famous scenes could, uh, could, from uh, a movie could almost uh, say hello to my little friend. Could beat wax on wax off. I'm going to take it. Good suggestion, yeah. Matthew. From now on, it will be known as say hello to my little friend. Excellent call. Yeah. Um, next up, Philip Stuckey in Pretty Woman, Jason Alexander's mega douchery bad character, uh, who in this film equals or surpasses the great Philip Stuckey, uh, oh. Matthew. No, you both Matthews. Whitey. No, no one. No. No one, no one equals or surpasses ever Philip Stuckey. He will be that name forever. The worst character in all the cinema. Yeah. I, I, I'll throw it out there. I, I'm going to say Tony. Yeah, I'm going to say dude. Tony. I think yeah. Tony's a dick. On If I have to pick someone other than Tony, I'm going Omar. I'm going F. Murray. Yeah, I, absolutely. I think it's a dead heat yeah. between those two. That's an excellent call. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not a big fan of Alberto the Shadow. I mean, he's he's got no morals whatsoever. <laughs> Sosa said to kill him, let's just kill him. Yeah. Yeah, he was good. He was, mate, he was, I'll tell you what, he was excellent in Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Oh, yeah. I, what, and Whitey, what do you think of how he communicates in Breaking Bad? He doesn't say he, much. Doesn't That's what I love about him. He doesn't say much. No, but, he, but why is, is that? There's a certain technique I, 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 he uses. I think, yeah, I think it's, he doesn't know what that what is. is. How does he communicate normally? Like, what's his, <laughs> what do you think? Of, <laughs> What do you think of that community? He does clicks and pops because he's uh, he's Swahili. No, he's not a Swahili right. bushman. Okay, all right. Well, I tried. <laughs> Just fucking watch it. Uh, next up, the cast of Caddyshack for an actor or entire cast who aren't quite totally aligned with the rest of their fellow actors in this film. Look, I didn't, no one really stood out for me. That I think everyone was in it. A couple of the henchmen were probably ill-cast. They didn't seem like heavies. They just seemed like yeah. uh, a couple of blokes that were watching TV um, on a Sunday night, not necessarily getting involved in gangster shit with Tony. That Ernie and uh, his mate at the end who gets, uh, who gets done. <laughs> Nick, Nick the pig. a little light on. Nick the pig. Nick yeah, the pig. Yes, exactly. So any anyone that stood out for you guys? You could say no one and everyone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like... Like you know, Manny thinks he's in a '70s softcore film, uh, softcore porn film. <laughs> uh, but no, I agree. I think it, it, for what it is, it is it's extravagant. So everyone is is playing the role. That's it. Yeah. Okay, I'll take that. Lots of flamboyance. 
next up, Olivia Newton-John, rest in peace. Her cartwheel at the Pep Rally, Rally in Greece is an amazing show of lack of athletic prowess. Was there anyone in this film that was also of the co-ord varietal uh, gal? Yeah, well, Tony and Elvira, we've already hit. That was really yep, bad. I got that. Yeah. Um, the other Tony was, was particularly poor dancer. Yeah, terrible. The other one was um, the guy in that first scene. I can't think of his name. That um, chainsaw guy. Ravet. Oh right. Yeah. Okay. When he when he jumps down at the window, he jumps down the window. And and he then, falls and smashes himself. He smashes himself. Then he gets up, but then he runs down to the road, and then he just randomly falls over on no, the but road. He, sort of like yeah, he does a he does realizes a weird, that he's got a stab wound in his guts. Or does a, a weird jig and then yeah. falls over to let him catch up. Yeah. It kind of looked like to me. It was really odd. Yeah. Yeah. I've got chainsaw guy falling out the window. Like yeah. smashes the window and then he sort of doesn't realise there's a six foot drop and absolutely poleaxes himself. Love it. What about Tony playing basketball in Freedom Town? Yeah. Like, that was that was my other one. There was definitely I don't know that Al Pacino was first picked in the, yeah. the schoolyard yeah. for basketball or any other sport. He was my my standout. Uh, and I think he they just said, Tony, hold this thing. And he goes, what the fuck's that? It's a basketball, Tony. Just hold it. W- what's a basketball? Just hold this round thing, mate. Just hold it. And then when we say, now throw it. What's throw? <laughs> like, you could just tell. He's no idea. That's not to say that famous little people haven't been very good at basketball because Prince was apparently a gun point guard and that guy stood about four foot eight. So, yeah, it's not wow. necessarily... A, uh, a, a consequence of Al Pacino's ass dragging along the ground. Could Prince dunk? <laughs> I don't know if Prince could dunk. I think uh, it was probably a little like Dorian Martin <laughs> at school, not uh, not no, not quite good on the vert, and spoke spoke a little too American. Prince, Prince played basketball so well he made the doves cry. <laughs> oh, you got you got your demo joke in there. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, moving along, Robot Sentries for an extra scene that you were hoping Mr. De Palma put into Scarface so that we knew a little bit more about the predicament or the backstory or anything about this film, a la the Robot Sentries in our favourite Aliens with James Cameron, Cameron and Sigourney Weaver. Did you guys want to know anything more about this and what did you want to see? Well, I think I've spoken about the downfall. I would have liked to have maybe seen a little bit more time on why things went so bad. Uh, but other than that, as I said, I could watch a four-hour cut of this, I think, if it explained that. But, you know, it's pretty good the way it is. G? No, I don't think at two hours 50 there's much more you need to know. Yes, we've said we've already covered what you said about the downfall. Yeah. Um, how he how he came about, I guess they covered that at the start a little bit, how he came to be such a bad guy. He was he was in the army, I guess. Yeah. And uh, and then he's, you know, that was the way he got into the state. So I guess they, they sort of covered everything. I mean, there's not much else you need to know to me. Yeah, I, I I too would watch a longer cut that flattened out the arc a bit in the in the back yep. third. But I'm I'm also happy with the three hour cut. So good calls. Uh finally, Whitey's Brad Pitt for the actor you'd most like to Moja El Churro, which is Spanish for wet the phallic looking donut. <laughs> Uh, you'd have to say you'd have to say Manny Ribeiro is a good a good looking sort. Girls Manny? loved him. Oh yeah, uh, he's not my first. Oh choice. yeah, Stephen Bauer. This and, and that was why he was his creepiness was wasted. Like it feels like he could he could have been cut a swathe through little little Miami and into little Havana. 
but he was uh, he, he went the creek route instead and and kept crashing and burning. But no, look, uh, definitely good looking fella, and the two female leads I think equally gorgeous. So it uh, there was lots to choose. And not only that, there, there was like mm. the girls that he was creeping on, the girls in the Babylon Club. Like there was a thousand. What about what about the what about the bikini and high heel Oof. combo? Yeah. Not something I've ever seen in real life in in Australia or anywhere else. So, um, yeah, quite quite a unique look. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, look, um, Elizabeth Mary Master Antonio, probably for me. Uh, Whitey, you're more of I'm a, a fifer. I'm a fifer. Yeah. She's excellent. She's excellent. Well done. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, good calls. That's quick. Well fire. done. Listen. To this G-Man, take it away. All right. I want you guys to give me a number on the body count in this movie. Now, you may have looked it up. Why do you may have I did it look up? it up, but I forget. But I'm going to, I think, 42. Morgs, what do you reckon? Oh, not that much. 25. It's 42 on the knocker. Why do you ruined it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I'd forgotten. That was just a guess. I like it, G-Man. Well done. So a couple of quick ones. Miriam Colon, who played Tony's mother, was only mm. four years older than him. She had a hard movie. life. No. She had a hard life. Yeah, so they were making him play a lot younger role, right, Al Pacino? There was a re-release of Scarface in eighty in 2003, and the studio wanted Brian De Palma. I don't, I don't think I've seen it. Yeah, I don't think it Why do you no, say that? No. But the, the studio no. wanted him to change the, the soundtrack to rap songs. <laughs> so, well, so that rap songs could be in the film. But uh, he just said... Okay. No dice. No, no dice to my master. <laughs> Interestingly, another one, the only main characters who survived the film, Tony's mother, Sosa and Elvira, are the ones who cut ties with Tony. Everyone yeah, right. else that pretty much is with him, goes his down. sister, his best mate, all the henchmen, everybody, everybody goes. Yeah. Uh, and just one more quick little one. The only mention of Scarface in the movie is only mentioned once, and it's in Spanish, and that's in the first scene when Chainsaw Guy calls him at okay. in Spanish. Oh, yeah. there you go. It's the only time the movie is called Scarface. Fair enough. Well done. There well done, Jimmy. Dan, you got anything? Uh, nah. Okay. <laughs> the first the first three cuts of this movie were rated X by the MPAA. Yes. And then on the fourth time... De Palma convinced them that this was a depiction of the true drug underworld and it was almost like a documentary, so they gave it an R rating. Yeah, because they, I think they went to the FBI or something like that, yeah. or to the feds, yeah. and they were like, yeah, this is a fairly true depiction. Yeah, fairly, fairly true depiction. But at its time, it was the had the most fucks thrown at it. Yeah. In, how many do you reckon? Well, I don't know that one, but I'm going to say 104. Morgs, what do you reckon? Oh, it's 96. 226. Holy shit. So at its time, I think it was something like, it was so many, I mean, I can't remember, so many per minute. He mumbles a lot. He mumbles a lot. He mumble fuck a lot. So the long myth that Pacino actually snorted real cocaine during the film has been debunked and it was apparently powdered milk. De Palma's never actually confirmed or denied that. But whatever it was... That might have been like the cast of Caddyshack. Yeah, I think so. But whatever it was... 
<laughs> he created massive problems for Pacino's nasal passages, and he's never been able to recover. Now, what a crock of shit. Yeah, yeah it was oh, the baby it was the, powder. It was the powdered milk. <laughs> the powdered milk. <laughs> it wasn't the 20 years of cocaine addiction that he had before the movie and after the movie. It was, yeah. it was, the, uh, it was that. Like that. So, interesting story. We talked about uh, Manny creeping on the blonde outside the hotel. Uh, she actually disappeared on the 6th of July, 1983, under suspicious circumstances and was never seen from again. So while working on the movie, she had a breakdown on set while watching a violent scene. After being taken to a trailer, she expressed to a family friend her fears about alleged money laundering and people supposedly wanting to kill her. She then quit the film and vanished. And she's never been seen from again. So there you go. Crazy. Yeah. So it's, everyone knows, but Steven Spielberg helped direct the final fight. Some of the, some yeah, of the he shots. Did the, he did the scene where they threw the hook over yeah. there. He did yep. that scene. Yep. Yep. Because he was on set, apparently. Yep. So uh, then, so the inter- listen to this one. The International Corporation set up by Saddam Hussein to launder money from his various enterprises was called Montana Management after the Scarface main character. <laughs> yeah. Well, Boss Tony really. Montana was named after Joe Montana. He was, yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, in the final shootout, Pacino grabs the gun by the barrel and burnt his hand so badly they had to shut production down for like three weeks while he's hand-healed because uh, even though it was only blanks, the barrel was obviously super hot, which is just another theatre kid thing because surely you'd know that. <laughs> exactly. Anyone from the land would know. Not and De Palma that. liked this script so much he dropped out of directing Flashdance to direct this Wow. Film. So there you go. Mm. Quota balls, G-Man. We've already hit a few of them. I I did like uh, the one at the start. I always tell the truth, even when I lie. Yeah, that's excellent. Good one. Well (laughs) done. Um, I did like, again, in the scene where Frank Lopez gets killed, Tony, don't kill me, please. I ain't going to kill you. Oh, thank you, thank you. Manolo, shoot that piece of shit. Shoot that piece of shit. I got that. That's so good. And, of course, the Ernie scene, which you talked about. You want a job, Ernie? (laughs) <laughs> Dan, you got any? Um, we, we've gone through most of them, but yeah, I really like you on a job, uh, Ernie. If I only tell you once, don't fuck me, Tony. Don't you ever try to fuck me. Alejandro Sosa. That was uh, yes. obviously uh, a, a, a foreshadowing what was going to happen when he yes. did go against what Sosa was after. So I enjoyed that in the re- on the river. Tell you what, he got, he got his men together pretty quick, didn't he? They, was, they poured into the compound yeah, hours later. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Okay, I've got one, uh, Tony. This is paradise, I'm telling you. This town is like a great big pussy just waiting to get fucked. <laughs> 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 and, I, and I did love, and I did um, love the, uh, the, the, the interrogation at the start where he goes, how'd you get that scar? Eating pussy? <laughs> it, was, it was just so bad. And then, and then Omar at the very at the start of the movie after he when he meets Omar, Omar, watch my back, Tony. Better than your front, let me tell you. Much easier to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I also liked that when he was meeting Sosa. I mean, Tony says, "All I have in this world is my balls and my word, and I don't break them for no one." <laughs> Yeah, he's very good. He's very good. Okay, here we've been waiting for this. This is all, yeah, it's been weeks in the making. Film school, 
the F-Wits. Daniel. Yes, welcome back, F-Wits. Uh, excellent break, but did get me thinking with this one when I remembered that whilst Brian De Palma was the director, it was written by Oliver Stone, who would also become an incredible director in his own right and probably it could be argued a little more revered than De Palma, which may or not be fair. So what I thought is I would pick six, uh, three each uh, random films, and we'll just have a little uh, best out of three death match with them. So I've tried to keep them in the same genre mm. to make it uh, a little bit like for like, but it is difficult. So it's probably not films that you're thinking they're going to be, and we can have a discussion about other films that you like or dislike at the end. But first up, Oliver Stone is probably... Best known, it could be argued, for war movies uh, and one of them being Platoon. So I thought that uh, we would pit Oliver Stone's Platoon versus Brian De Palma's Casualties, Casualties of, war. of War with Sean Penn and a young Michael J. Fox. Mm. So, Whitey, what, uh, what's, what's your initial thoughts on both of those films? Uh, I, I think Platoon is one of the great war movies and whether it was deserving of all the plaudits it got in 86 with all the uh, with all the Academy Awards, it is still still today, it's one a movie that I would watch on a yearly basis. Casualties of War is a great movie in its own right. I've seen it twice. The subject matter is, is hard to watch. Obviously, they, they kidnap a, a local girl and, and take turns raping her, and Michael J. Fox sort of doesn't and then it that he becomes the enemy it's a great film don't get me wrong i just i would choose platoon every day of the week yeah I, look i think that's fair it, it is interesting going back to the subject matter of casualties war though it's it, you, could you imagine that film being made it today? wouldn't it like, would not it a fucking would chance. Not be, how it was greenlit in the first place because you've got to remember yeah, that, like, I mean, uh, even even platoon i guess pushes the limit of the of what the US troops did during war. Like, you know, there's Bunny, but there's not much else in Platoon in regards to the violent acts that uh, atrocities, atrocities that were yeah. done by the yeah, yeah. by the, mm -hmm. the, 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 the the where history is written by the victors, right? So to actually tell that story, which I believe is based on a true story, casualties of war. Uh, and mm -hmm. I think that is at that time was unheard of. And no movie's really been made like that again. Like it's always the movie would be made from the other perspective, where the where it's the white saviors, the US are the white saviors, yeah. and and so yeah, very ballsy move by De Palma. But that's De Palma. De Palma made extremely ballsy moves, and that's it. And there wasn't really an oeuvre that he what he, he, he stuck to. So Oliver Stone too was definitely made a lot of different stylistic films, but. Casualties of War is definitely an outlier in, in Brian De Palma's filmography yeah. for sure. And I think I agree everything you've said there. Why do you think you've nailed it? I think that subject matter, extremely difficult. I think uh, both great movies, I definitely gravitate more towards Platoon. And I think that would go down as, you know, one of the one of the top five ever war movies slash Vietnam yeah. war movies and, and one that we've seen a bazillion times up there with Full Metal Jacket for sure is something we've watched a hell of a yeah. lot of. Uh, G-Men, any thoughts on that? Have you seen Casualties of War? Or do you I have it? seen it, not for a long time, but I can't really add any more than mm. what you guys have added there because Platoon's one of those movies, one of the movies I love and I think that's the one I'd gravitate to as well. I think well. Platoon's a, a, a popcorn war movie where it's entertainment, right? I think that it tells a story it, it and it's it's got some 
pretty heavy themes in it. Whereas I think that Casualties of War is really exploring themes. Like it's a th- it's it's a heavy thematic driven film. Whereas you, well, Platoon, well, you, it's it's there's some fun in Platoon. There's no fun in Casualties of War. No, there's no levity at all whatsoever. At all. So no, I think good calls. All right, gentlemen. I, I'm I'm going to give it a little Platoon. What do you think? Ding ding. Yeah, platoon. Platoon. Three platoons. Yep. Right, eh? That's so uh, Mr. Oliver Stone takes round one. Let's go to round two. So I guess in looking at uh gangster style themes, it was something that um your Brian De Palma definitely was able to uh to skew towards with Kalido's way, uh perhaps with the untouchables. Um, with Snake Eyes, I guess, it is also a, a kind of a gangster film. But uh, I think with um, one film that uh, he made in Scarface as a, the, one of the, uh, the, the preeminent gangster films of all time versus a film by Oliver Stone called Savages, which you may or may not have seen. Now, Gao, you actually put me on to the author of Savages, a man by the name of Don Winslow who uh, he writes a, a great book and uh, is, a, is a kind of a crime thriller writer from the US and is a, a, quite a storied author and, and one that probably the FWITs have come across in, in their time. But the, the book of Savages is, is fucking incredible, really, really well written and, and just a, a page turner. You'd be annoying the shit out of me if we were sitting on a plane on our travels, G, because you'd just be doing that thing when you look at the fucking page and then you get your fucking finger and then you lick it and you, you go and you sort of look and then you flip the next page and, oh, my God, I've seen so much of that. But <laughs> book, excellent. Savages the movie with Blake Lively, uh, the dude that was just... In oh, Benicio Toro is in it. John Travolta's in it. Uh, Selma Hayek is in it. The cast yeah. is Aaron Taylor Johnson, Taylor. However, Kitch. yeah, Taylor Kitsch yeah. as well, who's who's excellent in it, and he's he's quite quite picky actually. Taylor Kitsch with uh, after being heading down the heartthrob path, and I guess his earlier roles, he's, he's become quite a good character actor in later years. But I, for one, feel that the uh, the savages didn't translate well to the screen experience why did, did you see savages yeah i did see savages savages came out when i had the video shop uh and it how can i explain it again it feels like a video feels like a music video to me it just feels it feels mm. a bit erratic it's a bit erratic a bit style yeah. yeah it's a bit style i think it's it's definitely oliver stone's uh crack at style over substance I think the story yeah. had some merit. I think probably reading the book would be the way to go, but I, I didn't really enjoy it. In fact, I've, I've only seen it the once, you know, and for an Oliver Stone movie who I've seen most of his movies multiple times, uh, didn't really gel. Blake Lively's, Blake Lively's absolutely gorgeous in it. Yeah. No, she's and, and very good and very good actor. And Gal, is this one that you came across? I would understand completely if it didn't end up in a viewing experience at the G House. But uh, if you have, let us know. No, I've never think. seen this one. Haven't seen Savages. Yeah, never come across it. It's 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 not. You're not missing anything. No, it's uh, it, look. Oliver Stone's obviously got a lot better flicks, but if you're looking at gangster films of Oliver Stone, there's not a lot that you can use to, uh, to to compare with. So I think that uh, obviously we're talking about long form and Scarface in this one. We probably don't need to go too far into it at the moment. But for mine, Scarface blows it out yeah, of the water. Uh, and it's one for Mr. De Palma. Well, Gal, you, are you happy to agree Agreed. with that? Agreed. 
I've got to say that uh, that Aaron Taylor-Johnson, he's pipped to be the next Bond as well. So, because yeah, he played, okay, he played, um, he plays a bit of a hitman in um, Bullet Train. Very good. He's English. So, yes, uh, yes. No, I know the, uh, yeah. Bullet Train's a bit of fun. Bullet of the, Train the... was a bit of fun. It's not a great movie. Well, I have not seen yeah. Bullet Train. It's popped it's, up a few times and I haven't taken it It's a it bit of yet, fun. So. It's, it's not a great movie, but it's quite a bit of fun. Brad Pitt is excellent in it. There you go. All right. Okay. Well, we're going to give that one to Brian De Palma. So that makes one it one all. For the final <laughs> tiebreaker, we've got two amazing films from different genres. However, equally as famous slash infamous, I think, for being perhaps uh, arguably the pinnacle for each filmmaker. Uh, maybe not so for Oliver Stone, but Brian De Palma could very well be most known for this film. So first up, Oliver Stone's Midnight Express. What an incredible film. Uh, if this doesn't put you off drug smuggling and or going to Turkey, then nothing will. Versus Brian De Palma's The Untouchables, uh-huh. which is uh, inarguably one of my top five films of all time, except I didn't mention it in our top 18, <laughs> but I would mention it if we did top five today. So what do you think, gentlemen? I know you both like each of these films. Why do you especially Midnight Express? Uh, give, give us your thoughts on Midnight Express to start. Uh, Midnight Express is a harrowing journey which is fucking incredible uh frightening uh just so many like two or three scenes which still today sort of stand out that are unforgettable well i'll stop there i think i think that midnight express is incredible it's a great movie do you think if you were in the same situation you would choose to bust a nut with the swedish prisoner probably not but i'd I'd definitely be jerking off onto the window, though, with <laughs> with my girlfriend, if she's got her cans out on the window. I'd definitely be doing that. I'm not sure that I would, not sure I would stoop to man on man love, but I've not been in a Turkish prison, and That's and it. I don't know. Don't knock it till you've been in I that situation. I don't know. Yeah, I'd exactly. never say never, but I, 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 what I can say that I definitely would do is put a stain on the glass in between me and my girlfriend as she gets her cans out. Excellent, excellent. Uh, good choice. Gal, what are your thoughts on The Untouchables? Oh, as you said, mate, it's a, it's a classic. I love that movie. I've watched that so many times. I really, really enjoy that. Kevin Costner at his best. And uh, we talked about that scene not long ago when he's when uh, Andy Garcia is firing the gun. Yeah. 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 The train station. The train station. Yeah. Just yeah. a classic all-time scene. That whole scene. Whole scene. Absolutely vintage yeah. Palmer. Slow tracking shots. Super slow. Um, beautifully set up. Yeah, what an amazing slow-mo. Uh, great score. Yeah, look, it's it certainly... I, you wouldn't think... I mean, I express why he's obviously prophesized about a couple of the uh, the, the, the wanking scenes. <laughs> However, there, there wouldn't be anything in that that is as stylish. No, as not a chance. No, it's, it's much more gritty and, and hardcore, isn't it? I mean, I remember more when we went to Turkey and someone said, watch this before you go. <laughs> and then that's yeah. not the way of... So we watched on the way over and then you're like... Oh, crikey. What was that? Was that in like 90, 98? Yeah, 98. 97? It must have been 98. It was about yeah. then. Great time on the, on the travels. And yeah, definitely with our, with our mates Tuckers, Tuckers and Damo. Tuckers and Damo in Turkey, yeah. from South Australia. Samos. Samos. Uh, Samos on the ferry, falling asleep, riding, driving overnight to Istanbul to watch the AFL Grand Final that we did not give one shit yeah. about, but thought it would be a bit of an adventure. Oh, those were good times. Good on the travels, times. Yeah, but no, watching that on the way over was a bit scary. 
It was pretty brutal. It's a, but that, that's the difference between the two. You know, that that's a real hardcore gritty movie compared to The Untouchable. Yeah, look, hard, hard to compare. Certainly not like for life. Untouchables is uplifting. Like, it's a, it's a bit of a feel-good movie, really. Whereas yeah. <laughs> Midnight Express is not feel-good at all. Grim. It is as grim as it comes. Grim. Yes, tough one. Look, I love both of those films, uh, but I think from pure nostalgia and it being one of my four VHS tapes that I used to love watching, uh, I'm, I'm going to stick with Mr. De Palma on this one for The Untouchables. Uh, you guys? Yeah, I'll stick with The Untouchables. Yeah, I'm going Untouchables. I think The Untouchables, there Untouchables we go. is much more rewatchable than Midnight Express. Excellent. All right. Well, we have a winner. So in uh, in this director death match and choosing those films to fit into my particular director death match, Mr. Brian Obama, give him a round of applause. BDP has taken it out. But look, let, let's go a little further into the filmography now. Whitey uh, Oliver Stone. Obviously, a couple of films spring to mind that I know that you love. JFK being yeah. one of them. Born on the Fourth of July. I know you've got a. Uh, a, a lot of time for the doors I particularly love. I think that Val Kilmer's portrayal of Jim Morrison is is one of the greats. Yeah, look, uh, anyone, any else that spring to mind? Natural Born Killers. Yeah, Wall Street, of course. I mean, wow. Yeah, look, his his filmography is is deep. Uh, Oliver Stone, like all those movies you mentioned, are great. And of course, any given Sunday that the G loves. Yeah, and the thing is. Uh, although he's got a very specific style, he's sort of, I guess, moved himself around the genres a little. So he, absolutely, he's like, absolutely. Uh, like you I can think, even uh, one of the ones I think is a little underrated is W, the one about George W. Bush. I think that that excellent movie, really good call, and um, yeah, James Brolin, great portrayal, really interesting. Yeah, movie. I think it's a great movie, but for me. My favourite movie, my favourite Oliver Stone movie is JFK and it's by the length of the straight. And I love Platoon. Platoon is second, but JFK, the it is so fucking good. It is so underrated. It yeah. is so fucking So good. long, but and so cerebral. Like it's not like we're watching a heap of action in this. It's just a lot of dudes talking. It's got one of the greatest scenes, him and Donald Sutherland on the lawn in Washington, where he talks about the black ops and mate, it is one of the greatest scenes of all time. Uh love it. And obviously, he's a deep believer in a lot of these conspiracies as well. Like he got yeah. really into yeah. it, and, uh, and 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 sort of uh, maybe jumped the shark a little with his uh, his thoughts on it. But certainly, the way he strings it together in that particular narrative, it becomes reasonably plausible that there was a, a massive conspiracy. Hundred percent, hundred percent. But you know, Wall Street, uh, those excellent, excellent. All good movies. Now, Gout, what about Brian De Palma? Now, I know, again, I'll just just name check a few of my favourites in Carlito's Way. Uh, Snake Eyes, I think, yeah. is an underrated film and, and probably another guilty pleasure for me that I can go back to see Miss Carla Gugino, who's got as good an eyesight as being Gout, who's in the movie. But <laughs> no one's got Nicholas worse Cage eyesight than Gout. Mate, pretty bad. <laughs> but perhaps, look, one that I don't really put much stock into, but Whitey May... Uh, did the original Mission Impossible. Uh, sorry, not the original. The original Tom Cruise Mission Impossible, which I know you love. Mate, it's excellent. It, it's an excellent, excellent movie. It, and people forget that he he uh, directed that. Absolutely. You know, people forget. Absolutely. Uh, my, one of my favourites is Blowout with John Travolta. 
from like 82 or whatever, and that's fucking incredible. Yeah, it's before, before Scarface. Yeah, it's yeah, an incredible 40, movie. 40-plus years old. He's a, uh, yeah. he's a sound technician, and he's out there getting recording some stuff, and he's witness to a uh, well, a, a car crash, which ends up being a murder, and yeah, it's, fuck, it's great. It's really, really good. He's so underrated. Good he also directed Carrie. Like he's he's done yeah. a shit ton of stuff. Mate, that's, that's, and that's what I mean. To have such a, a storied horror flick from one of the only good adaptations of, of Stephen King novel, I think. Yeah, I'd look at all power to him yeah. for going out on a limb and trying different 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 genres and subgenres and really having a, a, a diverse filmography. So, Jim, any of those that, that stick out particularly for you? I, I don't know if any stick out to me. If Snake Eyes, I did like you right, Morgs. That's a bit underrated. Um, mm. I don't know if there's anything else really that that sticks out. Casualties of War, we talked were about. Were you a Kalidos? Were you a, were you a Kalidos way guy? Um, look, I've seen that a few times. I quite like that. Is that Benny mm. Benny Blank from the Bronx? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it. That, that's yeah, a good yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. That's a, it's a good another mm. one that's sort of understated, right? Like it's sort of slow a slow burn. Yeah, but it's yeah, a, but it's a great so, storyline. Pacino doesn't overact. It's uh, no, I think a, a really good flick and well worth a uh, revisit. F wits if you're looking for something cool to watch. But anyway, that's a, that's a very very quick look into the, uh, the the two main writer directors from Scarface and what they went on to do post that. But uh, yeah, look, I, I think we could have given it to either of them as absolute masters of the craft. But really interesting to have a look at what they've both done and wax on a bit about it. So good work, gentlemen. Well done, Daniel. Uh, amazing as ever. Star of the show, uh, G-Man. Who's your MVP for Scarface? Look, it's it's really hard to go past Al Pacino because he's the central point of the movie. Yeah, um, and, and it all hinges on his performance and him. I mean, there's everyone else is a bit player, really, in that scene. I, I I really did like Stephen Bauer. I thought he was really good in the movie, but it's hard to go hard to go past Al Pacino for me. It's it, I know that's, yeah, the, that's the state that's the safe bet, but. Uh, uh, Daniel, what do you got? Yeah, I, I agree with the G. I don't think that you can argue that anyone surpasses Al Pacino in this. He is the iconic image and his portrayal is the iconic part of this movie. Brian De Palma, love it, love what he did, love everything that uh, all the choices he makes as director, but I'm going to give it to Al Pacino like the G. Yeah, and it's going to be three from three here. Al Pacino, movie doesn't work without him, it's quite simply. So uh, it's a three from three. It's a... It's an easy win to our mate Al. You can call me Al. Here we go. Fresh, fresh from a from a substantial time off, and and be able to have a bit of honey and lemon and and uh, get ready for the latest rendition of Kickass Credit Song. Down on the land, take it away, please. Yes, well, look, it's it's hard to surpass "Push It to the Limit" the montage in this film as an absolutely outstanding version of a kick-ass credit song mid-movie. But I'm going to have a crack. So this one is called "Say Hello to My Little Friend," and uh, I'm going to try try and phrase it correctly because there's definitely a, a couple of tricky bits in here that I made for myself. But let's see how we go. So here we go. Say hello to my little friend. <laughs> Southern city of sin, where the palm trees sway, Tony Montana making moves, getting paid. Watching get on the gack, on the mountains of rack, creeping on Michelle Pfeiffer, take the front or the back. <laughs> In that city of vice, where Cubanos come, Cubanos, that's me, Cubanos, sorry, <laughs> try that again. In that city of vice, where Cubanos collide, Tony Montana on a turbulent ride, get on the gack. 
in the 80s glow. Mountains of rack watch Tony's fortune grow. Say hello to my little friend. Peek out the bath in his bedroom. Careful, it might extend. Say hello to my little friend. Is it a poisonous mushroom? No, it doesn't mean to offend. Say hello to my little friend. Pass me my towel. I lean to the left, mislabeled a pen. Say hello to my little friend. Oh my God. Got the bend in. Well done, Daniel. (laughs) <laughs> it was hard i can't get the chorus <laughs> that was good say hello to my little friend Fucking hell. welcome back it's been a long time coming uh credit song from down on the land yeah there we go so uh good one to kick off the yeah year. well done well done okay the rank bank we've got a few here to choose from here we go wafy coke whores little friends Chainsaws, helicopter hangings, mountains of Yayo, political prisoners from Kuva, unhealthy sibling obsessions, cockroaches, and pelicans. Look at the pelican! Fly away, pelican! I like. I actually like mountains of Yayo. Yeah, I, oh, that stood out to me as well. Okay, mountains of Yayo. Okay, Dan, up there on the land, how many mountains of yayo are you giving Scarface? Yeah, look, it's no North Shore, but I very much enjoyed watching this on the revisit. I'm going to give it 4.25 for what is inarguably one of the greatest 250 films of all time. Uh, well done, Messrs. De Palma and Stone. Okay, well played. Well played. Uh, G-Man? Yeah, great rewatch. This really enjoyed it. Slow burn, good movie. Um, I'm going to give it four mountains of yayo. Four, okay. Well, G man, me and you are, are feeling the same vibe here because I am giving this four mountains of yayo. And I said before, I'm not sure if it's a good movie, but I really like it. And and I don't know what I, I can't convince myself why I don't think it's a good movie, but. It's so damn enjoyable, and there's so many good scenes and a lot of fun in it. So, it gets four for me. Uh, G-Man, how are you going with that? Let's just get into the ratings here. There we go. G-Man is all over it. So, that brings us in at 4.08 Mountains of Yayo. Now, that is that is tied. Oh, God, there's like, there's like a three-way tie there with... Lem- with Wolf of Wall Street, 4.08 Lemons. Ooh. 4.08 World Class Vaginas for Gone Girl. Yes. Just above Predator at 4.06 Ugly Motherfuckers. And it's right below Mad Max, The Guard, The Matrix, and The Dark Knight at 4.17. So that brings us in to 35th spot on our rankings. Okay, so it's, it's just... Oh, lower, than, lower than I thought. Yeah, yeah, it is a bit lower than I thought, but it's, it's you know, it's, it's above the middle. There we go. Well done, gentlemen. We've done it again. Okay, if you loved Scarface, what are you going to love, G-Man? Oh, the easy ones to go, something like The Godfather and, and things like that, but I thought the, these movies that sort of draw out, maybe something like Once Upon a Time in America. Yeah. Uh, that's the, is that the Chasman Palmentary one? Or the, is that the Robert De Niro one? Robert De Niro one. Robert yeah. De Niro one, yeah. I thought something like that would be fairly similar to this. Yep. I mean, this is a pretty iconic movie. It's hard to say what's what's similar to this, but I'd go with something like that. Yeah, cool. Good call. Uh, Daniel? 
I went I went a different way, uh, less iconic but more racky uh, with either Blow or American Made, the 2001 Johnny Depp flip Blow, which is excellent, or the 2017 Tom Cruise vehicle American Made, which is surprisingly bloody good as well. So both of them about the cocaine trade. And uh, I think, although Blow uh, definitely starts off in Weedland, but uh, lands lands back in cocaine pretty quickly. Both excellent. Go and check them out. Yeah, well done. Okay, I'm going for the 2006 documentary, Cocaine Cowboys, which effectively tells the story of Tony Montana through the eyes effectively of a Griselda who is uh, now have a TV show of her own starring Sofia Vergara on Netflix, which you should also watch as well. Uh, Yeah, I've seen that advertised. So Cocaine Cowboys is excellent. Uh, It is unbelievable the war that went on in Miami in the 80s. And this is, is... tells the story from the middle it's really cool and i've watched the first couple of episodes of griselda which is worth a watch too she was uh she was the cocaine uh, godmother she was uh she was hardcore she really was there you go okay well done gentlemen well that's that's the first one of the year i uh, knocked away so uh congratulations welcome back I've, i feel uh honored to have you back in the uh, studio with us as you should i liked it been great to be back yeah and we've got uh you know we've got a whole year ahead of us and who knows what it will bring Hopefully someone paying Maybe us to do price. this. Hopefully yeah, someone paying us to do of, this. We might have been a wedge. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, next week. Now, Dan, I think you might be upset at this, but uh, you might not be. But this is what happens when you don't commit to a full program. Yeah. It's been a long time. It's been a long time since we've done a Sylvester Stallone film. I'm going to say one word and I'm going to see whether you can get it from it. Fetch! Cliffhanger. John Lithgow. Oh, go fetch! Michael Rooker with one of the dumbest scenes at the start of a movie, but it definitely gets your palms sweating like the start of speed. Cliffhanger, uh, which I'm looking forward to doing. It'll be a bit of fun. Yeah, I watched that uh, maybe a year ago. Yeah. Good good action flick. Mate, I reckon it's it's an underrated uh, sly hit. Very good. John Lithgow's a great bad guy. Leon. Remember Leon? Very good. Oh, looking forward to that one. John Lithgow, he's a standout. John Lithgow's a standout. Yeah. Really good. Really good villain. Good eye. All right. Daniel, well done. Uh, great kick-ass credit song. When we got there, we got there in the end. Congratulations. <laughs> well, you'll fix that in the post. But Thoroughly. Yes, or maybe, be, I, uh... maybe I won't. <laughs> <laughs> I still can't get how I phrase that chorus, but anyway, it might come to me yeah. on another episode. Excellent. G-Man, thank you. Pleasure to be here, guys. Looking forward to next week. Yep, next week we've got Cliffhanger. Do your homework. Share to your friends. Share to your enemies. Share to whoever. Get us some headsets. That's what we're after. Share the love. But from now, catch you later. See ya. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Born to Watch. To join us on our journey into some of our favourite movies of all time, you can find us on all good podcast networks like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you like what you hear, give us a five-star review and share with your friends. 